Well, we're going to begin with our memory verse, and um, if you're visiting today, um, you might not realize we've been doing a memory verse each Sunday throughout the summer from Galatians. And so, uh, if, you're, if you haven't been studying it, that's okay. I've tried to pick very small verses, so you can almost do short-term memory, because we're going to put it up on the screen, and we're going to say it once, we're going to take it away and say it again. You can almost just do it from short-term memory. But let's say this together, including the reference, and then we'll try and do it from memory and see how we're doing. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. All right, take it away. Let's do it again. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. Well done. All right. As I was preparing all week um, and thinking about this sermon, I had a nagging image, a, a, a vision, if you will, a mental image, a picture, maybe a picture is a better word, in my mind that was annoying me. It just kept coming. And I, I was reading the, the text, I was trying to study, and I just kept seeing this picture. And then I thought, well, all right, maybe this is from you, God. And I said to the Holy Spirit, I said, if this is from you, let, I'm... I want to share it with the church then. Maybe it's for the church and prayed into that a little bit and felt like I should share this picture with you. Now, I can't say for sure that it's from God, but I think it is, but I'm going to give it to you and let you pray about it and see if it, if it comes back to you throughout the week. Here's the picture. You're hungry, you have no list, and you go to a grocery store and you get a cart. Your cart has a bad wheel and it keeps pulling to the side and crashing into the shelves and doing damage. That's the image. And as I prayed into it, I felt like the Lord was saying, that is your life. Your life is bent and it keeps curving and crashing and doing damage. But there's a different way. Leave that cart behind. Come with me. My cart is straight and I will make sure you get the right things in it. That was the image. Now, keep that in the back of your mind. We'll come back to that and maybe the Lord will use it. If, it's, if it doesn't ring true, just let it go. But I felt like I needed to share that with you today before I started because I'm going to speak today about living a fruitful life. That's my topic, living a fruitful life. And Jesus said in that passage from John 15, he said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Our vision as a church is to make disciples. That's what we believe God has called us to do. And I love that he says that because here's one of the ways that we can test and see if we're actually living into the vision. Is there fruit? If there is, that's one of the ways that we prove that we are disciples of Jesus. So um, let me ask you this introspective question as I begin. Not if, because everyone bears fruit, but what is the fruit that your life is bearing? Think about that question as we work through this text. Now, I want to share with you how proud I am of our church for the maturity in the pews. And I mean that uh, not just spiritual maturity, but also intellectual maturity. People have studied long and read well and even know not only what big words there are about theology, but how to apply them. And I bring that up because in this series, I've received three different messages with a caution. And one of them even used the word antinomian. Antinomianism. Antinomian is an ancient word. In Greek, nomos is law and anti is against. And this ancient heresy is this. If Christ has already paid for all your sins and you're forgiven, then throw out the law. God doesn't care about the Ten Commandments anymore. God doesn't care about these things. You're already all forgiven. And it's dangerous because it's not true. It's not good. And the thing about preaching through Galatians is we've taken little sections and preached on the text before us. And you have to get the whole sweep 
So today, I think it's going to be very clear that Paul, the apostle, is not an antinomian, nor are we, but it's helpful to recognize that there are tensions in this letter. There are three I'm going to mention. One is there's a tension between law, following the rules, and grace for salvation. Are you saved by being a good person, or are you saved because Jesus, the only true good person, died for you? It's your salvation is by grace. We were clear on that so far. Another one that we hit last week, I was at David Ball's church across the river, and he was here preaching. We swapped pulpits. David did a great job of preaching on freedom in Christ. The memory verse last week was, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Now, here's another tension that happens. If you hear that you are free because of what Christ has done, there are two dangers. One is to go down the path of license, meaning doing whatever you want. I read one person who sort of quipped this way. He said, I like sinning. God likes forgiving sins. Seems to me the world is admirably arranged. (laughs) That's license. That's cheapening grace. People know that that's a risk, and so there's another way you can, you can fall off this side and you go down the legalism side where you make a bunch of rules so that you won't end up doing the wrong thing. I'm going to make rules and I'm going to legislate my morality. I'm going to have behavior modification by putting in all these little rules in my life. That's called legalism. Legalism, license, freedom is down the middle. Now today, here's another, another tension, the one we're going to get into in depth, the the works of the flesh, meaning your sinful human desires, versus the fruit of the Spirit. Flesh, Spirit. Look at, now if you want to take a Bible and take a look at this, Galatians 5, it says this. Our, our memory verse was, it, it said, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And he goes on and he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So recognize this, uh, now, I'm talking about the Christian life. For a Christian, it's like you're being drawn and quartered. Two horses are tied to my hands, and they're walking in opposite directions. I feel like I'm being torn in half because the old person in me, the sinful desires in me, want to go that way. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to go this way. And he's even given me the desire to do the right thing. But I also feel the temptation to do the wrong thing. Now, if you're not a Christian, I can say this. In some ways, your life is easier. Because you're utterly single-minded in your focus. You only care about pleasing yourself. That's it. And so you don't feel that tension. You just go after, just, just looking out for number one. And we say it a little bit softer because that sounds so selfish, right? We say, well, you know, everybody deserves a break. I'm just, just doing my part. I'm looking out for number one, that kind of thing. And we kind of soften it. But at the end of the day, you're living just for yourself. And then God enter, enters your life and messes with it. And he, and he changes your heart and he gives you a desire to do it his way. And when that enters in, all of a sudden you feel this tension, right? See, the world says, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. How many songs tell you, listen to your heart? Do what it says, follow your heart. It will lead you, right? And the Christian message is, don't follow your heart. It is, above all things, deceitful. It will deceive you. It will lead you down a path of destruction, it will cause your cart to crash every time and do damage, hit the, hit the shelves in the, in the aisle every time. Don't listen to your heart. It's deceptive. Listen to the Spirit. He's good, and He will lead you in the right path. And there enters the tension. 
And I don't care if you've walked with the Lord for 50 years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those desires are still there, and it's an inner fight. It's constant, and it's annoying, and, and we just have to, we have to fight it. Now, thankfully, the Lord has a lot to say about that. And the Apostle Paul in here, he spells out, in case we're not clear, what are the works of the flesh compared to the fruit of the Spirit? And so he says in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. That word evident is apparent, obvious. At one point, Jesus said, watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing, Be careful for those who are pretending to be Christians but really aren't. And here's how you'll know. You'll know by their fruits. So a bad tree does not produce good fruit. And a good tree does not produce bad fruit. You'll know by their fruits. Now, no one is able to judge entirely apart from God who is saved and who isn't saved, who's going to heaven and who isn't. There's a real mystery in that, and it's dangerous to try and even attempt to be the role of the judge. But Jesus does say, you can look at the fruit, maybe in your own life, and ask yourself the question, which I started with, what fruit is my life bearing, and does it line up with the kingdom of God or not? Because Paul comes to a very stark conclusion here. He says, when he gets to the end of this first list, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God won't have those things in it. And those that want those things won't even want the kingdom of God but there's this other way. Now, before I get to the other way, I want to share with you a paraphrase of this little passage. Eugene Peterson wrote a Bible paraphrase called The Message. Maybe many of you have read it or are aware of it. I want to be clear. It's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. A translation takes each word in Greek or Hebrew and then says, here's what it means in English and puts it together. A paraphrase is kind of thought for thought. He takes a whole paragraph and then he interprets it. It's kind of like a sermon. I'm trying to interpret to you Galatians 5 and what it means. The message takes the scriptures and interprets it in a poetic, very modern day way. But sometimes like this, I find it really helpful. I can study each one of these words that he describes here and find a whole bunch of synonyms for them. So here's here's this um, paraphrase. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. That's how he paraphrases those first three in the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinging accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, lowercase g. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I think that's how he interpreted orgies, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but as I even read that list, I get uncomfortable. I I say, stop. I want to stop. Stop it. I get where you're going, 
right? I hope you felt that way. Because if you were feeling like, oh, awesome, these are great things, that's not good. Or if you were feeling, check, I'm good there, check, I'm good there, check, it's not an exhaustive list, and so forth. It's supposed to give you a flare of things that are not the kingdom of God type things. It should make us uncomfortable. It should make us feel like, ah, this is not good. Just look at what's on TV and the movies. That stuff is introduced everywhere. So we're spoon-fed it, and we just kind of get used to it. And here, Paul has to tell us, these things are bad, and recognize they are the work, the works of the flesh. In other words, you and I do them. And those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me, right there, I need to say this. The word do is the word practice. In other words, habitually practice these things. Your life is focused on these things. You keep doing them. Not every once in a while you make a mistake and you fall into one of them and then you come back and repent and you go, God, I'm really sorry. I, didn't, I don't like that I did that. I want you to help me not do those things. That's different than practicing these and endorsing them and, and, and keep working for them. Now, the opposite list, it's called the fruit and it's singular. Notice it's singular, the fruit of the Spirit, and there are nine things. And it's also not an exhaustive list, because notice it's missing things like generosity or hope, one of the cardinal virtues, faith, hope, and love. Hope's not in there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those nine are listed to give you, again, an idea of what the fruit of the Spirit is. The first one are the works that you and I do. The second are what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Now, this week, I, I cut my arm accidentally right here, and it was kind of, I was throwing away a broken mirror, and I was picking up pieces, and I just went, and I was like, oh, it slashed through my skin. And I went and got one of those butterfly cuts, band-aids, you know, and put it on there, and, and so I could actually see the wound, because I was trying to pull it back together. And it's minor, it's not a big thing. But because I could see the wound, all week, I was watching it slowly heal. And it occurred to me that just like the fruit of the Spirit, this is inevitable, The Holy Spirit, if he is in you, is going to bring this about, whether with your help or not. It's like, it's just what he does. Just like our bodies have the ability to heal themselves. I can't make that heal. I can't fix that. I can cooperate with it, though. I can put antiseptic stuff on it. I can put a bandage on it. I can keep it clean. I will be helping it heal. Or I could ignore it. I could keep pulling it open and go, isn't that gross? And I can slow it down. So recognize this is the work of the Holy Spirit and cooperate with him so that there's more and more fruit. Now, a couple of the sermons that I've preached in this series were really focused on how Jesus does the work for you, how he saves you, how his death on the cross forgives you and it gives you a freedom. And so I came to the end of one of them and I said, well, you know, it's it's at this point that I would give some application points, but I feel like if I do that, I've undermined the message just be thankful that you're saved and free. And that was it. Today, I'm going to be real clear on applications. I'm going to give you three bold applications about this, what to do with this text. The first is I want you to own the fight personally. It's in you. You feel it. Own it. Recognize it's there. And it says in here that those who are in Christ, they have, put, they have crucified the desires of the flesh. Think about crucifixion for a minute. Nobody has ever murdered somebody by crucifixion and gone into court and claimed that it was not premeditated. You're not going to win that case because you don't accidentally crucify someone. You have to get a cross. You have to build a cross. You need ropes. You need multiple people. You need nails and a hammer. 
You don't just accidentally murder somebody by crucifixion. It takes intentionality. So to crucify the desires of your flesh, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to be intentional about killing those desires. Another thing about crucifixion is it's cruel and it's disrespectful. It's shameful. Take those desires and shame them in your life. Tell them they're bad. Hate them. Be cruel to them. Do not have any mercy for them. Hate that they're in your life and want them gone. Another thing about crucifixion is it goes all the way to death to totally be crucifixion. But what we're tempted to do is we nail some evil desire to the cross, and then later we go back and we get a hammer and we kind of try and pry the nails out and save it before it fully dies and coddle it a bit and nurture it back into our lives. Don't do that. Let it go all the way to death. Don't take it off the cross. And recognize it takes a long time. It takes a while, multiple days even. Jesus died really fast because they tortured him so badly before he was crucified. But most people, it takes multiple days. It's slow. So recognize the evil desires that are in your flesh that you need to get rid of, it will take a, a while. And be patient with that. Remember, that cart is bent, and you need to learn a new way. For, for all of your life up until you met Christ, you were used to doing it the other way, crashing in, bent, curving, and just even celebrating that stuff. And now all of a sudden, you have to learn to say, nope, I'm not going to live that way. I'm going I'm to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. I'm going to learn. And that, that takes a while. That's, that's not easy. So, but I want you to own this fight personally and recognize it's there. It's for real. That also means that when you slip up, that's common to Christians, and God is quick to forgive. Be okay. Be patient with yourself, but keep fighting. Don't give up on the fight. The second thing is to know the Holy Spirit personally. He is a he, not an it. The Holy Spirit is God. He comes into your life when you become a Christian. He is a powerful source to help you. He is the one who's going to bring this fruit. Listen to him. He'll speak to you. He will guide you. Many of you that were at Soul in the City heard from God this week. Don't forget what his voice sounds like. Ask him to speak to you when you're not at Soul in the City as well. Ask him to keep guiding you. And as my predecessor once said, if you think God is speaking to you, the only way to know is to obey. And then you'll find out if that was God. If you just write it off and go, ah, that was just a weird thought, I don't know, and just ignore it, you'll never know if it was God speaking to you. Learn to hear his voice. Talk to him. I mean, that's what I did as I, I, that shopping cart illustration. I just started going, okay, all right, Holy Spirit, are you interrupting my sermon prep? Because what is this? What's going on? And I felt like he wanted me to share that with you, so I shared it. Get to know him personally. Talk to him. Listen to him. Third and lastly, build a taste for heavenly things. Build a taste for heavenly things. A friend and his family recently went to Scotland to go visit around, and Scotland is famous for a number of things, one being scotch. So they went to different distilleries and had scotch tastings. He, the husband found, found this to be enjoyable. His wife came back and I quote, she said, that was the nasty, filthiest thing I have ever put in my mouth. <laughs> Nobody likes scotch the first time they taste it. Nobody likes coffee the first time they taste it. What toddler is like, ooh, mom, forget that warm milk. I want some black joe. Give me a cup of coffee. None. In junior high, you start to drink it because it seems like an adult thing to do. But let's face it, guys, you get on the bus at 9 o'clock and school starts at 9.20. You learn to appreciate coffee when you go to high school and you have to be there at 7 a.m. And the school starts to be really a lot of pressure. And now you use coffee 
and then later you learn to actually like it. It's, it's an acquired taste. I want you to do the same for the kingdom of heaven. Recognize that things like worship, prayer, service, giving, Bible study, these, they take an acquired taste. You have to practice them. You have to develop an appreciation for them. That's what this text is talking about. Learn to keep in step with the Spirit. That's actually, finally, we've gotten to the, the whole series header. That was the verse. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let's learn to do that by owning the fight, by listening and conversing with the Holy Spirit, and then developing a longing for things of the kingdom. Worship is weird. We're going to kneel and pray and confess our sins. We're going to come and receive Holy Communion. We sing songs to God. That's not normal for sinful people. It has to be cultivated and learned. And then what you find is if you've done it for a while and you miss it, you don't come to it, you start to really long for it because you've been shaped by it. Worship is really not so much about us as it is about him and learning to orient our lives around him. Develop that kind of a taste for heavenly things. And let's keep in step with the spirit and then you don't have to worry about the fruit. You'll wake up one day and find out, you'll you'll realize, wow, I really had self-control in that moment. Normally I'd get really angry. I didn't have a fit of rage. Instead, I had self-control. Wow, I was really patient in that situation. I didn't try to be patient. Where did that come from? Or all of a sudden, I have love that I never had before for people. Well, I, I can tell you where it came from. You started to follow the Holy Spirit, and he did what he does, which is he brought fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, hope, generosity, other things. He does it. Let's keep in step with him and see what he does with our lives. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this tough text. It makes us uncomfortable to look at some of these things on this list, and we're embarrassed to stand before you and recognize that they're in our hearts. Lord, would you give us not only a desire for your heavenly things, but also your power to live in them. Thank you for your love for us and the way that you pursue us long before we even thought of pursuing you. Thank you for loving us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.